Vegas, 7.30 on Tuesday, November 15th, 2016. I'm Kevin Williams. This is the LDS Life Podcast. You can catch us on the website at ldslifepodcast.com. Also, check us out on iTunes or a lot of any other podcast app you can listen to us on. I'm not sure if I'm on Stitcher yet, but if not, I will be sometime. Also, check us out on Facebook, LDS Life Podcast. And you can email me at kevinw at ldslipodcast.com. That's Kevin W. The W stands for Williams, Kevin Williams. Kevin W. at ldslipodcast.com. We have very special guests today. This is going to be really interesting. Uh, Karen Fulmer, the wife of Gene Fulmer, who incidentally passed away last year, April 27th, 2015. Uh, Karen is a very kind and interesting individual. And uh, we'll just start right off uh, right here. Uh, Karen, tell us a little bit about uh, your childhood and how growing up in Illinois was, uh, the winters, and how you became, how you converted to the LDS Church. Well, I was born in Chicago. I have a twin brother and a younger brother. And I um, didn't even know that I lived in a terribly cold place. That's the way... I grew up, though, I just knew I was going to be freezing every winter, um, not the nice winters like we have here. So um, I was about five years old in, in kindergarten when uh, I had a friend, Ruth Ann, um, that uh, her and I were in school together for many, many years. And I knew that she was LDS, but I was Lutheran. and so. I didn't, you know, really pay too much attention to um, her church because I had my own, and a lot of times she would mention something to me, but um, I was just fine being Lutheran, I thought, and uh, so she would be going to primary and Sunday school and things like that, and uh, we went all through high school together, and um, we graduated high school, and she married uh, I think it was March 30th and I got married um, March 16th so it was so funny that we both picked the same month however she uh, flew all the way to Utah to get married in the Salt Lake Temple so you know I noticed that there was always um, just a very nice um, family value home, you know, her home, and they had five children, so um, I was divorced after five years, and uh, I had a rebound marriage, divorced again, so Roseanne says, uh, Karen, uh, don't you think it's time to check out, the, you know, the church, and I said, okay, so um, that was, uh, she sent missionaries, and uh, I was taught, and I was baptized, my boys were baptized, and uh, eventually, um, the sad part is her husband was killed in a car accident, and um, so she moved to Utah, and she called me up and said, you should move to Utah, too, and so I said, oh, I don't know, that's a big move, but I put my house up for sale, and I was on my way to Utah with my boys and my dog, and ended up in Brigham City uh, for a few 
Yeah, I would be a little nervous. Uh, this is what the second date. Yeah. Oh yeah, wow. The, the the fights are two nights, and uh, so and I'm going wow. So anyway, um, I met his parents and lots of his family, his brothers and their wives and uh, nieces and nephews, all all those people, and and uh, so it was, you know, it was just so. Funny, they're they're all funny people. I mean, not not that there's anything wrong with them. I don't think that. They're just um, a lot of fun, and they just we have a good time. And so, um, on the way home, Jean, when Jean was driving home, his mother said, "You know, she's a little young for you." And Jean said, "No, mother, she's 
not that young. And she says, well, she looks young to me. And so, you know, Jean kind of reminded her that her parents were like 12 or 13 years apart, maybe not that, that much. But then his mother says, oh, okay. So anyway, then uh, Jean's dad said, boy, you guys just hit it off right away. And Jean says, yeah, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to get married, but if I were to get married, that's who I would marry. And everybody goes, whoa, you know. So, and Jean's daughter, Marianne, was there. So I, I got to meet her, and she was real easy to get to know. She was really sweet. And um, so then we dated by phone. And uh, when his bills got so high, those are the days when St. George was long distance. So his oh, yeah. Was, yeah, it was terrible. And so he said to me one night, he said, my phone bill is awful. And I said, well, I'll start calling you. And he says, no, we better get married. And I go, whoa. <laughs> oh, wow. So how? Yeah, and so I'm here. Go ahead. Oh, uh, how how long uh, were you dating from the time you were dating till you got married? How long was your uh, courtship for? Okay, so we met um, in August, like just. Uh, and what year was August. that? Nineteen eighty-three. Oh, eighty-three. And his, yes, his wife had passed away. His wife Dolores had passed away in uh, January second, nineteen eighty-three, and. So um, we dated by phone, and then uh, in May 19th, uh, 1984, we eloped. But we already had planned a wedding for uh, June 7th, 1984. But the, the bishop, J.N., that introduced us, he was being released. And he said, you guys, if you want me to marry you, it's got to be soon because I'm going to be released in two weeks. And so Jean came down to St. George, and uh, on my lunch break, we ran over to the uh, county courthouse and got a um, marriage license. And then the next morning in front of Jay's fireplace at his home in uh, Bloomington, we were married with um, my two boys and uh, Jean's daughter, Marianne and uh, J.S.'s wife, Janice. And so, but we didn't tell anybody. And so, um, and this um, June 7th wedding, we decided to just go ahead and go through with it, but we won't tell anybody that we're already married. And I don't know why we did that, but Jean just said, well, we won't tell anybody. We'll just have the June 7th wedding. And <laughs> so he, wow. he came back up to, you know, he came back up to Salt Lake and uh, didn't tell anybody, and uh, it was so crazy. I had, of course, I had Ruthann there, too. I'm getting all back, I have to back up a little bit. Ruthann was my maid of honor. Um, you know, she was there, too, so um, besides, for my side, it was my two boys and Ruthann, and uh, for Jean's side, it was Marianne, so anyway. Um, then he came back up to Salt Lake, and so um, I put my notice in at work that, you know, I would be getting married and moving to Salt Lake, even though I was already married. And uh, so just before um, the 
the play wedding or whatever you want to call it just before that Jean Dad passed away and so we had the funeral the day before the wedding the, you know the fake wedding so it was oh so much I, I, I could really write a book because it's so crazy all the things that Happened. So, uh, and, uh, what was the reaction like when uh, you, when you and Jean broke the news to all the family that you eloped to St. George Courthouse and got married? Well, um, we we got married in Jay's house, but we, you know, wasn't a, 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 maybe it was the city offices or something like that. Wherever you go to get a marriage license. Yeah. And, oh, everybody was. <coughs> they were. It, it was funny because they were saying, um, "We wondered why you two were just so calm, cool, and collected, and just enjoying life. You weren't, you know, like giddy and excited about getting married." <laughs> oh, I know because we were already married, you know. And so they said that's why you were so, you know, already acting like. You've been married for a while. I said, yeah, because we were. Interesting. So, so did you end yeah. up getting sealed in the or getting uh, a temple wedding then eventually? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. And right. Uh, what? When was that? And which? <coughs> oh, sorry. Was, what, which um, temple? That. Uh, that was the South Jordan Temple, and that was, you know, years later. We we went through the, <laughs> we went through this, you know, these. Um, kind of like inactive but still involved but not quite going to church all the time so um, we still lived you know on every every way we were supposed to live but we um, what temple did you get married in? the South Jordan oh okay so um, that was in 2007 Oh, okay. So you went. Uh, you were an actor for a while. Um, what, yeah. Just out of curiosity, what was the reason? Just uh, you got distracted. Um, well, a lot we were, to do. We were, we were traveling a lot, and you know, we kind of had this um, feeling like, oh well, we've already done everything. We've taught every kind of class there is, and you know, so we'll we'll just take a sabbatical <laughs> or something uh-huh. like that. I don't know crazy and uh, but I still did my busy teaching and everything and so um, we were traveling a lot because Gene was uh, well he was doing some uh, similar to like motivational speaking where he would just be asked to speak a lot at different fundraisers and things like that and then there was a lot of Hall of Fame uh, trips that we would go to and they are also uh fundraising type um, events in all different parts of the country. Uh, um, and then uh, Bishop McDougall called us into his office one Sunday and said, um, everybody appreciates your uh, community service and all the nice things you do because um, Gene and his brothers had a free gym for young people to go to. Some some." didn't ever uh, participate in any competitions and they would just go to the gym to train or keep in shape or whatever. But Gene and his brothers uh, ran the, the uh, free gym. So 
um, Bishop McDougall said, um, you need to be sealed in the temple and you need to be coming back to church. And so the funny thing was that Gene had been telling me, every once in a while he would just say to me, whenever you want to go to the temple, you know, we can do that. And I, and I said to him, well, we have a lot of work to do to get ready to go to the temple. And uh, he'd say, yeah, but just let me know. And I, and I was kind of saying to him, I said, well, you're already sealed to your first wife. And he goes, I know, but I, I need to be sealed to you. And, you know, and then it, it, he would just drop it and not talk about it too much. And then one night he woke me up in the middle of the night and he said, we have to go to the temple. I'm like, are you dreaming? What are you talking about? What, I don't understand. What? Why are you waking up and, and saying this? You know, he didn't say he was dreaming or anything. He just said, you know, we need to go to the temple. And it was just a, a couple of weeks later that um, Bishop McDougall called us in. So we got we got to work. We went to um, the temple preparation classes and. Uh, Gene was so funny, you know, he, he would say, no, I'm not going to be a polygamist, am I? And they say, Gene, your first wife passed away. It's perfectly okay to get sealed in the temple. <laughs> so. so you got married uh, when in 2007? Did you get married, sealed in the temple? February 7th, okay. 2007. Okay. All the 7th. Wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now, if it was July seventh, two thousand seven, uh, no, yeah, it'd have to be seven seven seven. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would have been fun. Yeah, I guess that's better than six six six. So anyway, it's been it was thirty one years of just so much fun, uh -huh. and uh, you know just. Uh, it was, it was so easy, and we would say to each other, you know, we, we were amazed that we didn't argue, we didn't fight or anything. We were always trying to figure out, how can we get along so well? And, and now, not everybody else got along so well. You know, there's always friends or family that aren't too happy about, or, you know, that maybe not real happy about your marriage or whatever. You know, people have their... their um, opinions and stuff like that, but we had the best time for 31 years, and those that um, really knew us and were really close to us, they they would say the nicest things, um, and our board members and that would just say the nicest things about our, our love and our um, relationships, so it, it was really special. Yeah, yeah, there is something to be said to that, uh a lot of uh, couples that I know argue a lot, and some more yeah, than others. Well, and, yeah, well, Jean was my, you know, my third husband, and um, after my second divorce, I just decided, boy, I am not any good at picking husbands. Oh, I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then he came along. <laughs> and then he came along, and it was um, just, we just hit it off, and he was just a crack-up. He was so funny. And, and even when he was, uh, you know, came 
down with. I always make it sound like he came down with Alzheimer's when when he was diagnosed. Um, I was in denial because he was still, you know, very talkative and uh, fun, still fun to be with and everything. But I did notice um, just very scary things where we would be driving along and he'd say, I don't know where I'm at, you know. And, and he was so good about giving up driving. And it was just amazing how, because boy, most men, you don't take the keys away. But he knew something was wrong, and he was very—he was very—he was a very intelligent uh, man. He did great in school, in in uh, uh, math and, and English, and you know, just really good grades in school. Well, let me ask you. Uh... Going back to how humble Gene was, because I read in the uh, papers, I did a lot of research before doing the podcast. It sounds mm-hmm. like uh, Gene lived a very modest lifestyle, and he didn't have to because uh, Gene was a heavyweight champion. I'm sure he was made yeah, a middleweight. Yeah. A middleweight, okay, and he, yeah, I'm sure had was well-to-do financially. That was never an issue. Uh, let me ask you... No, th- he, wasn't, he wasn't well-to-do financially. They didn't make any money back then. <laughs> he did well, but, I mean, not not like they do today. Okay, but I guess the bottom line is you weren't starving. You weren't... Uh, oh, I no. mean, obviously, you were secure financially, I would imagine. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. So, uh, one question I wanted to ask, because um, I know Gene started this uh, gym where you where he right. would go. He and his brothers. Yeah, is that gym still operating today, and where is that? Because I didn't know about it until this weekend. Oh, okay. It's um, by the uh, Salt. Well, it'd be the Equestrian Park, the Salt Lake County Equestrian and Event uh, Park. It's in the uh, old Posse building, so it's, oh, I guess it would be like 108, maybe like 108 South and on 2200 West. Okay, so it, it, I guess it's, there's still somebody there teaching people how to box, youth, yes. okay. Yes, all three brothers have passed away, but... There's um, still family members and friends that keep the gym going. So has any famous boxers come out of there? Um, no, not not really. Just uh, Golden Gloves um, boxers. There's not been any pros, but a lot of uh, Golden Gloves uh, boxers. Now, what is a Golden Glove boxer? I, I'm ignorant here. Oh, that's... Um, like Gene was president of Rocky Mountain Golden Gloves and the Golden Gloves organization has 32 franchises um, all over the United States and Hawaii and um, they train all year and once a year cities take turns different cities take turns holding the national tournament and uh, this year the national tournament was in Salt Lake and um, I think a young man from Ogden 
won uh, in his weight class, uh, won a national Golden Gloves title. Um, a very nice young man. I, I don't remember his name. I'm sorry. But uh, so, and all these franchises that uh, can afford it, they bring a team and a couple of coaches and sometimes parents, and uh, they have their tournament. It takes all week long the tournament and then uh, in the in Olympic years you can get a, a, a berth on the Olympic team or tryouts I should say for the Olympic tryouts and when Gene was a young man the uh, Golden Gloves at that time it was something like AAU in the old days and uh, Gene and his stable uh, mates and whatever you want to call them uh, would go to Chicago and uh, the Chicago Tribune sponsored the uh, amateur fights back then. And in 47, 48, 49, Gene was um, going back there. And when, I believe it was the 48 Olympics, um, Gene tried out but didn't uh, make it. Um, but Jay Lambert um, from our area, who um, became a a doctor, uh, a physician, uh, later in life. He did get to go to the Olympics, but I can't remember how uh, many, you know, I, I don't remember how many fights he won, but he did well in the Olympics on the tryout. So Gene went to the Olympics? Well, he didn't go to the Olympics. It was just tryouts for the Olympics. Oh, I see. Okay, so... Um, oh, what? It's, it's a long, dragged out uh, process. So, uh, let's get into his career, because he accomplished quite a bit. Uh, tell us what uh, he told you, because he won a lot of uh, championships. Uh, he actually mm -hmm. won... Oh, what? He defended his championship many times. Yeah, uh, for example, he won the uh, championship or the match between him and Sugar Ray Robertson January 2nd, 1957. But then he right. uh, lost and he got knocked out May 2nd, 1957 yeah. against Sugar Ray Robertson. Do you know anything about that? Have you seen the video? Uh, sure, yeah. uh, how did Gene feel about that? that? That must have been a humiliating experience. Uh, after right, well, right, well, because when he won the championship, it was absolutely amazing because here was this farm kid from Utah that you know no nobody knew you know what was going on. Who is this guy? And um, he won the championship on January second, nineteen fifty-seven, and then in the rematch uh, with Sugar Ray Robinson. Um, May May first, yeah, May first, nineteen fifty-seven. Um, Gene said that uh, people were would tell his cornermen, you know, because they were getting to the fifth round, and um, friends or whoever were telling Gene's cornermen, uh, Sugar Ray's getting tired. He's really tired because Gene is really pounding him, and. The problem for uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, you know, he was tall. He was a, a tall male weight, and Gene was a very stocky, um, 
not really short, but shorter, stockier, you know, very, uh, really strong, very strong. And so he, Gene could do all the inside uh, punching, and so he concentrated on that because he, he said that if you just, you know, the body, the body, just keep working the body, and then they, pretty soon the head comes down. Oh, it sounds so gross, but, you know, and the arms come down, and the, then you, you know, can probably knock them out. So um, he was really working on Sugar Ray Robinson, and then Gene must have, he, he doesn't remember, but he stepped back and a, a little bit and dropped his his arm and then kind of stepped into this huge left hook and then was knocked out. I mean, but he didn't go out. He was still trying to get up off the mat and uh, they counted him out anyway because, you know, he, he just couldn't get up. And um, so Gene did not know what was going on and he his manager, Marv Jensen, uh, grabbed Gene, and Gene said, what's going on? Why is, why is Sugar Ray jumping up and down? And he goes, well, the, you know, they counted to 10. And Gene said, on who? And Marv said, on you. And Gene was like in shock because, you know, now he came through and he, he, he just, you know, Marv said, Gene, it was the left hook. And so then after all the hoopla, they, they were back down in the dressing room and Gene was sitting there on the, you know, on the, whatever that thing is, the bench. And uh, Gene kept saying, well, how did I get here? And Marv says, down here in the dressing room? And Gene says, yeah, how did I get here? And he says, well, you walked. And Gene couldn't remember leaving the ring and walking to the dressing room. And so then they knew, wow, that was a knockout. And the uh, sports writers said that was the best left hook they ever saw. And so when Gene would give talks or, you know, give speeches for fundraisers or something, he would always say, I caught the best left hook ever thrown. And, you know, people would say, we don't want to hear you talk about that. Talk about the fights you won. <laughs> well, let me ask you, though, because it uh, sounds like he got knocked out for quite a while. And if he couldn't remember going to the dressing room, did he have to go to the hospital or anything? Because obviously he had... Um, well, there, yeah, there were doctors that checked him out and everything. And so he wasn't uh, tired. I mean, he wasn't worn out. And so, you know, he could still... Uh, you know, move around and do everything just fine. It, you know, it wasn't like he was slumped over in the corner or, you know, on a stool and just couldn't, you know, totally worn out plus being knocked out. He still, he trained for 15 rounds because that's how it was back then. There were 15 rounds. And so um, when, he, when he flew back home, he was devastated. And, uh, he was, I believe he was, 26 or something like that and he could not believe that he got knocked, knocked out and he said I actually thought that I could never be knocked out and he said so I really in the end I really appreciated being knocked out because it taught me a lesson to protect myself 
and to realize that I could be messed up. And then he was never messed up again. Now, he won against Sugar Ray in 1961. The way I understand it, I think the referees or somebody decided that it went to Gene Fulmer in 1961, correct? Um, 61, yes, that was in Las Vegas. That was a 15-rounder. It went to the 15-round. But, see, um, he fought, well, in... In December 1960, he fought in Los Angeles, um, Sugar Ray Robinson, and uh, retained, you know, his belt. But also in 1960, in June, Gene fought Carmen Basilio because Sugar Ray, um, his belt, his championship, he, he didn't want to fight certain people so they took it was a vacated title so they took his title away because he would not uh, defend it against people that it was you know like your your rank um, number two or three and you have to fight that person and Sugar Ray um, said no I, I won't fight him, and I won't fight him. I'll fight who I want. And so they vacated the title. So Gene and Carmen Basilio had to fight for the vacated title, and Gene won the vacated title. So Sugar Ray thought, well, I beat, I beat Gene Fulmer before, so I can do it again. But um, Gene won that fight in um, 15 rounds. Oh, okay. And then... And that was, that was December 1960. Then March 4th, 1961, in Las Vegas, um, Gene fought Sugar Ray Robinson again, and, uh, and, he, and he won and uh, became the title. Um, okay. Now, uh, I'm sure you've seen a lot of his videos. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, what... First of all, what was your favorite match that you saw of uh, Gene? Well, they were all very hard to watch because, you know, they were 15 rounds, and um, it was it was so funny. I would be watching, and I and I'd say to him, "Why did you back up? Why did you do this?" And I I don't think you were. Um, you know, you were waiting too long to to go after the guy, and, and he would laugh at me, and I'd say, "I guess I wouldn't be a good corner man." <laughs> you know, it was very. They were some of his fights were really hard to watch, uh, especially Benny Kid Perret, because, um, and not just Benny Kid Kid Perret, but other welterweights, including Carmen Basilio, um, they were welterweights. And they just, for some reason, some of these welterweights would think that if they could, you know, go up uh, to middleweight, uh, that's 160 pounds, um, if they could go up to middleweight, they could beat Gene Fulmer easy. And it never happened. They, Gene would beat them. And Benny Kid Perez was a welterweight, and he did win. He was doing very good in his career. And um, but they lined him up with Gene, and they had him uh, 
you know, bulk up to 160, but he just did not have the strength to, uh, Gene was a full-blown middleweight, com completely uh, so well-trained and so strong. And so he fought Benny Kiparet and just a terrible fight. I, I really can't watch it. It was, I shouldn't say terrible, it was just really a hard uh, fought fight. And so Benny Kiparet lost and his handlers threw him in the ring way too soon after such a, a hard loss. And Benny Kid Perrette collapsed in the ring. Um, he was fighting Emil Griffith. And Emil Griffith was punching, 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 and, and uh, Benny Kid Perrette just collapsed in the ring and died 10 days later. Oh. And so people, the people were saying that it was Gene's fault because Gene um, just did such a number on him. And, you know, that wasn't really very fair because uh, it was the handlers. See, now today, when you get, well, they don't have 15 rounds anymore. They're, I think they're 12 rounds at the most. Um, today, if you get knocked out in the ring, you can't even go to the gym for 90 days. So there's no training in or anything if you've been knocked out, and that's why there's such uh, so much going on with the uh, football players because they might get knocked out twice in a game, and um, nobody says to them, "Go sit and don't go back in," you know. But nowadays they're much more protective in the NFL and that they're a lot more protective. But I can, I can see why football players from, you know, 20 years ago, or even 10, 15 years ago, I can see why they, you know, suffered from a lot of head injury. Well, let me ask you, uh, how did Gene uh, begin his career in boxing? Well, um, Marv Jensen, in West Jordan, had a, uh, a boxing gym, and he, well, in his basement, he set up um, all the all that you need to train in, in his gym downstairs of his home, and then he eventually built an outside gym, and then an inside gym, and uh, and with that it had actual uh, sleeping quarters and uh, all of that, and this was right on Redwood Road. Um, I, would that be about 80, 80, 900 south, something like that, um, Redwood, and uh, Marv was training, uh, you know, taking kids and training them like crazy, and changing them from, um, you know, ragamuffins to kids that were learning to be uh, good, uh, very well-trained uh, in family values, sportsmanship. Uh, Marv was um, the whole, uh, he had just a whole system of rewarding the boys when they did good, and they had sweaters given to them, and uh, Marv insisted on them going to church and doing well in school. So um, Gene, on his way to school or on his way home, he would see that gym 
and he told his dad, you know, I want to go to that gym, and his dad said, well, you know, we'll, we'll check it out, so uh, his dad brought him over there, and Mark said, yeah, you know, we're here, I don't know how many days a week, but we're here, and we'll, you know, make a run for it, and sure enough, um, Gene just really stuck to it, and was really serious about training, and uh, the problem was there wasn't a lot of kids in his weight class and, and at his age, so he had to fight older kids a lot of times. When he was 13 and 14, he was fighting 16-year-olds, uh, you know, just in uh, amateur uh, matches and stuff, and um, he really did well. He had um, over 100 uh, amateur fights, and I'm, I can't remember how many he won, but there was quite a few. And um, so, do you remember John Mooney? Oh no, you wouldn't. You're not old enough. <laughs> John Mooney wrote for the Tribune. Yeah, I uh, he uh, was one of the people that named Gene Fulmer uh, athlete of the what was it? The top ten athletes of all time in Utah, wasn't he? Something like that. Yes. Oh, yes. Right. So um, John Mooney, you know, would come out. And, and watch the sparring and stuff like that. And so he would write articles, you know, for the sports page in the Tribune. And, um, and then when Gene decided to turn pro, um, you know, John Mooney said, you know, I'm from New York, so I can, uh, I have contacts there, so I can uh, see about who we can get in touch with to give you some. Uh, pro fight. So Gene turned pro and then was drafted to the Korean War. And um, he, it was funny, when he was in school, he tried out for all the different sports. And he tried out for baseball and he was doing pretty good, but he slid into second and a kid, you know, jammed him with his, his foot with the cleats on and really hurt him in the in the kidneys. And, oh, he was in such bad shape for so long. And then he tried out for football and he broke his leg. Oh no! And then he, yeah, and then but he didn't know his leg was broken. He he told his coach he said I can barely walk. My leg is so sore. He said, Well, put a heating pad up. <laughs> it was just so funny. And then they finally took him for an x-ray, and it was broken. So then um, he tried out for track, and he did okay in that. He did pretty good in that. But then he tried out for basketball, and he was playing, and he, he fell, and a kid fell on top of him, and Gene's face went into the floor, and he lost his two front teeth. So maybe said, he. Uh, maybe to... that's his <laughs> next Christmas present. His two front teeth. Yeah. So, so he said, "I'm sticking to boxing. I can't get hurt doing that." By the way, uh, clarification. Uh, John Mooney. I just looked it up. John Mooney, along with uh, Dick. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, Dick Rosetta. John Mooney, along with Dick. R O S E T T A. Rosetta, I guess. Yeah, Dick Rosetta. Uh, yes, they yeah. named him. They so they were on a panel in 1999, 
and they ranked uh, Gene Fulmer amongst uh, the third best athlete of Utah among the top 50 athletes in Utah. Right. right. Yeah. And the, the sports writers, sometime during Gene's uh, career, uh, before he retired um, in his uh, boxing career, sports writers from all over voted him the best conditioned boxer to ever enter the ring because he never smoked, he never even tried a cigarette. And, you know, because he started training when he was 13. So he never smoked, never drank, and ran, uh, you know, did all his training, you know, all the time. And those 15-round fights, um, he trained for 15-round fights. But anyway, back to the Korean War, um, so he was shipped over, and what was so amazing is Pat Nappy uh, is a Olympic coach, an, an Olympic boxing coach, and he is over, uh, well, in California where Gene was sent first to, uh, you know, for basic training. Pat Nappy was there, and Gene got out of a lot of his basic training because they asked him to be a coach for the boxing team. So while these poor other soldiers are out in the muddy muck and uh, barbed wire and all this kind of stuff, Gene was training boxers for the Army boxing team. So, but it, it didn't take long till he was shipped to Korea, and he wasn't in the exact front line, but he was uh, with other welders where the, you know, the jeeps and the trucks and, you know, ordnance or whatever they call it, needed to be welded. And so he did a lot of guard duty and uh, because he, his uh, buddy would pay him $10 to, to take their uh, guard duty. And so he made a lot of money that way. And, so, um, and then after the war, he came back home and renewed his career, got got back to training and back to fighting. So. Interesting. Well, uh, let's talk about the... What was the... Uh, then I want to get more into Gene's personality. Um, when... I think his last boxing match was what? 1963? Yes. Um, it was Dick Tiger. Yeah, that's Uganda, right. Nigeria. Yeah, Nigeria. He fought that Dick Tiger earlier that year in February in Las Vegas. And oh, August tenth, nineteen sixty-three was his last match. Uh, it says I have August twenty-eighth. Oh, okay. And he was knocked. Yeah, he was knocked out. Or well, it said KO, but he, I don't think he he wasn't really knocked out. It just said KO by the seventh round. And what had happened is Gene ate the food and drank the water. And he got a bug, but he he didn't think it would, you know, bother him that much. Was he in a foreign country, or he just ate food and drank water here in the States? or? No, no, it was Nigeria. Oh, okay. And he, he ate the food and, and, and drank the water and he, he did get a dysentery and um but he he felt good enough to you know to go ahead and fight and he 
soon found out, you know, like even before the seventh round, he told Marv, oh, I, I don't feel good and I am weak. And, but he, you know, he, he would never give up. He would never say, you know, I got quit. He, there was no such thing. And so he did lose that fight. But um, it, was, it was so wonderful. He loved the Nigerian people. Um, they were so wonderful. When he and his dad and Marv and the other people, um, handlers and that, arrived in uh, Ibadan, the Nigerian people had a great big parade. And so when the, they were get, getting to the end of the parade, well, all along throughout the parade, people were touching Gene and touching his dad and shaking hands and that. And somebody ran up and, and put uh, chicken manure, I think it was in Marv's hand. <laughs> so Marv thought it was hysterical. So I thought, oh, that's so strange. But anyway, at the end of the parade, when his dad, um, you know, came off the truck or whatever they were using, for the parade, the people were surrounding Gene's dad, rows and rows of people, and and they were touching him and uh, rubbing their hands on him. And, and Gene said to um, one of the uh, nearby tribal men, what are they doing to my dad? And they said, oh, they want to touch the sire of a champion. And, you know, it took Gene a, a minute to do the fire of the champion. Oh, you know, and so, I mean, isn't that amazing? To what was he doing in Nigeria in the first place? It was for the championship fight for Dick Tiger. Oh, okay. Dick Tiger is from, uh, yeah, Dick Tiger is from Nigeria. Okay, so... Uh... So he ends his career. How did it end? Obviously, he uh, was sick and got knocked out. Uh, yeah, so, what um, exactly is that? Why he ended the career? What exactly drew his? Um, no. Um, well, Dolores, his wife, uh, took a pair of his boxing gloves and hung them up in the in his showcase and said, "That's the end." <laughs> you know, she had had it. You know, because um, it's. It's the uh, the dysentery ended up to be a permanent, sort of, kind of like a permanent um, active degenerative colitis. Oh. And so, he, yeah, he had it the rest of his life, and uh, it was it was controlled pretty well by medication. And then t towards um, the end of his life, not right at the end, but. Um, most of his uh, 40s, 50s, and 60s, he was doing pretty good, and then it it would um, uh, show up from time to time. But uh, and then Marv's wife uh, also got the dysentery, and it kept her down almost the rest of her life. It really uh, put limitations on her. So, yes. So how did uh, Gene feel when he ended his career? He did he think, oh, it's uh... oh, he would never. He if he were alive today, he'd still be boxing. He just could never get it out of his system. He he was sorry that he didn't keep going because you know he was um, like 30, 35, 36 maybe at the most 
when, uh, when he retired. And he later, you know, you see all these guys like uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and um, just a lot of fighters that fight well into 40 years old, you know, like George Foreman and others. So he said, I could have still been, been fighting. I guess, uh, was he... Uh, did him and Dolores get into an argument about this, or did he... No, no, no. Okay. They didn't, they didn't argue, no. I just, because that, that would be really hard to give up, something you had. That'd be like someone saying, you're not doing radio, you're not doing podcasting anymore. Uh, yeah, we... <laughs> No, she she was right. She knew what she was doing, uh-huh. you know, because he, like I say, he would just go on and on and on. You know, he he would never want to quit. You know, but she she chose the right. Yeah. Time. It, it was it was the right time. So what did he do after boxing? Is that that's when he started his oh, well, gym yeah. and his motivational speaking and right. And then uh, Marv uh, raised me. And um, he taught Jean how to raise mink, and so Jean had uh, mink. Uh, I think he has uh, like 2,800 mink um, on his property, and he had uh, beef and pigs and sheep. And he would always say, "I have beef and sheep and dogs and kids, and I lose money on all of it." <laughs> So, so when uh, you married Jane, was he ranching, or was that done? Um, that was his last. Yeah, that was his last year um, doing the mink. He pelted out uh-huh. because um, with his dad gone and his kids married, um, you know, there he just didn't have the, you know, the crew that, uh, you know, especially his dad that he could depend on uh, to help him. So. Um, he pelted out, and uh, he missed it a lot. But um, it was time then also because the pens were getting very, you know, broken down, and he would have had to do a lot of uh, rebuilding. Now this. So he pelted out. At the so end. this was at uh, your at the house that uh, was demolished. Then that's where he raised his cattle. Yes. So I guess right. what he sold his yes. cattle to somebody. I'm guessing. Oh no! There we all. There was only enough. There would be four or three. Oh, okay. And you know, maybe maybe ten pigs and you know, ten or twelve sheep, something like that. Okay. And and horses, plenty of horses, because he loved um, uh, quarter horse racing. Uh huh. And so he always he had his hands into everything, and you know, and then being uh, president of Rocky Mountain Golden Gloves and his brother John was vice president and uh, his brother Jay was also a, a, a coach and they just um, they were always busy they were always into boxing and and, and of course Don's career was still on um, I believe into the 70s uh-huh. so now were his brothers uh, did his brothers go very far into boxing um well Jay uh uh, had the unfortunate uh, problem of a detached retina, or something like a detached retina. I, don't, I wasn't sure of the exact diagnosis, but he couldn't uh, fight anymore. And um, Don had um, 
uh, a lot of success. Also, um, what they were, they called the American middleweight title. Um, so, I mean, it was amazing how it was like everybody in the family were good boxers. There was, you know, how many people have three, you know, like three brothers all doing so well. How, but his brothers obviously didn't take it as far as Gene did. No, no, they they didn't win a world championship. Uh, so, yeah, how far did they take it again? Um. Well, like I said, Jay had to stop because of the eye. Injury. Oh, that's right. And um, yeah, and Don um lost uh his I believe it was a champion a fight for the championship in Italy. He, he lost that fight. So. Okay. And, and then, and then he, I, I'm not sure how many fights he had after that, but um, then his career ended also. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Gene's personality because uh, there was an article on the Internet that I found. It said, uh, Gentleman Gene... That was his nickname outside of the rink, but in the rink it was the Mauler Mormon. So uh, he was yeah, he was quite kinds. the fighter in yeah, the rink. Yeah, they called him. Yeah, they called him the Storm and Mormon. Yep. And, you know, he, he he wasn't too crazy about all those names. He just wanted to be Gene. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's that. what I read okay. in his obituary in the L.A. Times. Yeah. Well, what's uh, good? What instance sticks out to you? with uh, Gene as far as being a gentleman because he definitely had that reputation outside of the rink. Yeah, but he he also was, um, uh, oh, what would you say, like a, a cut-up and a goofball, too. I mean, uh -huh. he, he just would come out, you know, he would just come out with stuff, you know, and I'm, I'm going, you, you need to watch what you say sometimes, you know, because he would just, you know, what what's uh, what's uh, an incident that sticks out to you where he was the life of the party or made everyone laugh? Oh, I I don't know. It just seemed like um, like when we were would be with friends and stuff. Well, and if you're with family and all the little kids, oh my goodness, he teased them and called them cuckoo-birds and oh you know, wow, laugh. And he'd chase them around and just, you know, he was just so funny. And we would have silly string fights, you know, and so to help, you know, like to help a grandson get the advantage, he'd put them on his shoulders and load them up with cans of silly string, and all oh, those kids would have a blast, just, you know, shooting this silly string all over the place. It was funny. Oh, wow. And, now, do you... Um, I do want to go ahead. I do want to get back to uh, the boxing for a few minutes here. Okay. Mike Tyson came up. Now you don't have to go into huge detail or whatever, but uh, mm -hmm. Mike Tyson obviously had a reputation of uh, being up to no good. I I assume that Gene knew Mike Tyson. Oh yes, very well. Um, Mike was. Um in the Golden Gloves, and I think the first time that Gene uh, met Mike was 
in St. Louis for the Golden Gloves tournament there, and that would be in the 80s. Um, uh-huh. It might have, been, might have even been in um, 84, I'm not sure, maybe sooner. But anyway, um, when uh, Mike Tyson was in training in the, for amateur boxing, his uh, custom auto would show the you know these young fighters in his uh, gym all these old films of Gene and Sugar Ray Robinson and Carmen DeCilio fights and uh, Jake LaMotta fights and so here's here's this 18 year old uh, Mike Tyson he knows all about all these old fighters I mean he must have been studying these films uh, because when he saw Gene, he knew who he was right away, and um, he said, you know, champ, champ, you know, and just wanted to talk to him, and, you know, Gene asked him, how do you know so much, you know, and he, and uh, Mike Tyson explained, I've seen so many movies, so many films of your fights, and so anytime we saw Mike Tyson, we, we did not go to any of his championship fights, but we would go watch him train if he was training in uh, Las Vegas or if we were in New York we would um, see him training there and uh, it, it was just a lot of fun he was uh, he was just very much a gentleman and just really nice um, to us I don't know what happened to him when he got around you know other people but later on we found out that you know he was dealing with uh, bipolar problems, and so he was put on medication. But I saw him a year ago, August, in uh, Las Vegas, where Gene was being um, inducted um, posthumously in the uh, Las Vegas Boxing Hall of Fame. It may either not Nevada or Las Vegas Boxing Hall of Fame. So uh, I was down there for that, and. Mike Tyson was there, and he was just so sympathetic and just so kind. Um, and, uh, and in fact, he said to me, "I don't want to talk to you too long. I'll, I'll be crying." You know, and I said, "I'll be crying too." So um, he just really, really was so nice. Do you know about uh, when his troubles began? Because I remember the first time I heard his name was in 1988, and he was getting a divorce. Do you know about when his troubles began? Well, he was he was like what they would call, you know, a juvenile delinquent, uh-huh. and he was in, you know he was in trouble all the time. And I don't know how serious his early crimes were, but I know he he probably probably may have had to be in detention or, you know, um, in a boy's uh, home or something like that. I, I, I really don't know, but I know that Customato took him in, and he and his wife treated uh, Mike like he was their son. They were so good to him, and uh, but his early crimes were, you know, pretty substantial, you know, um, robbing people and Their wallets, and you know, he was he was pretty strong and you know, pretty scary. He wasn't very tall. People think he was, you know, pretty tall and 
he was very strong. He was amazing and strong. He was well, he trained really, really hard. He was very dedicated. Um, yeah. I, I know he got he got into a lot of trouble, but you know these days he he does really well. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, do you know what he's up to these days, or any idea? Well, he has hobbies. I know with those pigeons. That, uh, I don't know if he's still doing that, but um, I think he's he's in other. He may be in some businesses, or you know, because a lot of the fighters sign on for a while to help promote, um, you know, like cars or a car dealership, or yeah. You know, so I'm I'm not sure you know, what. Yeah. Well, um, I think we are at the point where we are ready to end the podcast. A couple of questions that I have for you, though. Um, okay, if the yeah, I, I figured it would be a great way to honor your husband, and uh, obviously a lot of uh, Gene Fulmer fans out there. If there's anything you could say to us about Gene what would it be? I know that's probably a loaded question. Yeah, well, I mean he was he was so many um, you know, he had so many uh, parts to him. Um, he was a very he was very kind. He would do the sweetest things. He would bring me flowers. He would write me little notes and um he just loves little kids and grandkids. Um, teases them like crazy, but um, and he loved, you know, he loved all sports and his horses and um, just, you know, he, he's just a jack of all trades as far as, um, you know, his interests. But he was not handy with tools or fixing a car or anything like that. He, <laughs> have, somebody, have somebody do that for him. How many um, kids did Gene have? He has two boys and two girls. And uh, what are they like in person? I, I assume you get along with them pretty well? Uh, they're, they're, he taught them very well. They are very hard workers and uh, good husbands and fathers and, uh, and, and his daughters too. They, they are they all know how to work, and they worked in the mains. They worked with the animals. They worked at the restaurant when he had that. So, um, what restaurant did he have? Up. Oh, you know the Midvale Mining over in on seventy two in Midvale. Never heard of it. Mid oh, Midvale Mining. Well, it's it's a great place to go for breakfast. It still is. And he owned that at one point. No, well, it, 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 he didn't own it. It was uh, they he uh, leased that building and, and a couple of others with oh. partners and had a restaurant. Okay. And so, so his kids were hard workers, uh, very dignified. Okay. Obviously, what do they do for a living today? Um, they are uh, maintenance for the schools. I. I Number one school district and um, working for the water department. And the one daughter is in Alaska. Um, she's a substitute teacher, and the other daughter works at a school in 
St. George. Um, she's in charge of the banking and you know office work there. And everybody is super, super busy. Does uh, the daughter in Alaska know Sarah Palin? Uh, no, they live too far apart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I had a friend that lived in Alaska, actually, uh, Fairbanks. Oh, and, yeah, that's, uh, that's a good place, yeah. Very, and very cold. Married. Yes, yes. And uh, I, have, I have two boys. Um, the oldest didn't last too long in uh, Utah. He, he's back in Chicago, but now he's being transferred from Chicago to Michigan. And he works for Solo Cup. And my other son, my youngest son, works for Harmony. So um, it's very diverse group. Very good. Now, uh, before we end the podcast, um, just want to ask you uh, one question here. And uh, then we'll end the podcast. What is your favorite part about being LDS? Um, knowing that we're all going to be together again. It's so important to me. Yeah, it's uh, like that song by uh, Michael McLean. We can be together forever someday. Yeah, because, um, you know, in just all, all religions have basically the same they teach the same things that you know we you will be together again or something similar but in the LDS church you can uh, read exactly what happened isn't it Alma uh, 40 verse 11 or something like that where um, we're told you know where we're going to be and what's going to take place and then uh, President Boyd K. Packer when he spoke about those things it was wonderful his talks were wonderful and speaking about um, the other side the other side of the veil yeah well uh, we hope you enjoyed this podcast uh, another one will be coming soon I'm not sure who I'll be interviewing yet but uh, when that day comes I will let you know in the meantime, uh, thanks very much for listening to the LDS Life Podcast, or LDS Life Podcast. Don't forget, go ahead and check us out online, LDSPodcast.com. Uh, check us out on iTunes, uh, your favorite podcast app. Again, I'm not sure if we're on Stitcher. Go ahead and uh, like us on Facebook, LDS Life Podcast. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Williams from my Kevin Cave in West Jordan, Utah. I will talk to you all later, folks.